Welcome back to The Look and Sound of Leadership, an ongoing series of executive coaching tips designed to help you be perceived in the workplace the way you want to be perceived. I'm Tom Henschel, your executive coach, and today we're talking about how to turn on your executive thinking. Rizwan had a vision for the leaders running his business unit. There were roughly 40 of them, and he wanted them to mature as leaders. He was hoping I could create an event that might help them get there faster. We arranged a lunch to trade ideas. I was looking forward to seeing Rizwan again. Currently, he was two years into his tenure at this Silicon Valley giant, but I'd first known him 10 or more years ago as a senior leader at a different tech giant. Back then, he had impressed me as razor sharp without being prickly. During the years since then, when I would speak about the look and sound of leadership, he was often one of the executives I'd picture as an exemplar. Now over lunch, Riz was sharing how the current situation had come to be. He said, One problem they had when I got here was that their promotions were all screwy. There were no standards or procedures, so people got promoted for all kinds of reasons, and now we're paying the price. We have people in leadership roles who see themselves as team members, not team leaders. I asked, what's the impact of that? They're failing with the senior leaders. They come into those meetings, and they talk about the wrong stuff. Senior leadership doesn't think they're the leaders of their own businesses, but I need them to be. And your people know this, I asked? Well, they're starting to. It's part of what I want from you. Give us some language to help us get there faster. Happy to, I said. So tell me, what do you want them to know about being leaders that they don't know now? He stopped and thought. I'd always appreciated Riz's ability to uncouple from a conversation and turn his mind inward with no self-consciousness. I admired it. After a moment, he said... I want them to know two things. First, they have to start thinking like the executives think. They have to think from higher up. They're at the wrong altitude. They go in front of senior leadership, and they talk about every freaking piece of work they've done instead of just telling us, this is where we started, this is where we got to. This is widespread, I asked. It's most of them, yeah. It's the same when they report their work to me. They don't tell me the things I care about. I need summaries and analysis and opinions. But what I get are reports about that little widget over there that got turned two degrees, and I don't care. I asked, have you told them this? I'm trying to understand what they've heard and why they can't close the gap. I'm not sure, he said. The feeling I get is like taking a kid to the sidewalk in front of a skyscraper and pointing up. You say to the kid, that's the 40th floor up there. But you know he doesn't have a clue. He doesn't know what it's like to look out that window and see what 40 floors up looks like. And maybe my folks just can't picture what it's like to think about the business from that altitude. Well, wait, though, I said. If it were just a failure of imagination, how would anyone ever learn to think like an executive? Everyone has to learn how to operate at that higher altitude. You must have learned it somehow. How did you do it? He smiled. I had two great mentors. And it's what I studied in school, so I was thirsty for it. I said, so you learned it. I did, he said, but I was a hungry student. I believed some people thought on a higher level than other people. 
And to me, if that was true, those were the people I wanted to be with. It was an ambition of mine to think higher up. What worries me about my folks at the moment is that I am not certain they even know executive thinking is a thing. I can't say I'm all that surprised, Riz, I said. I hear this complaint about employees operating at the wrong altitude a lot. I talk about this with people all the time. Do you, he asked. Well, I guess I'm glad to hear that. I don't know. So what do you tell people? I said, I have an analogy I use. It's based on the idea of clicking out on a map. You start clicked in. You see your house, your driveway, your roof line. That clicked in view is the level you're operating at every day when you do your work, you know, driveways and roof lines. But click out a couple times, your house shrinks pretty fast and the scope expands. That's where your boss lives in relation to your work. Your house is still on the map, but it's not as important as it was. And you click out three more times, that's your boss's boss. And your house might be visible if it has a pin dropped on it, but otherwise it's just too small. And the analogy goes on, but you get the idea. He asked, is that something you could do with us? Sure, I said. I've done it with groups. It's a really helpful exercise. And then I asked, you said there were two things you wanted people to learn. Altitude is the first. What's the second? Oh, okay. Here it is. They have to own their businesses. Don't come to me and ask me what you should do. Don't wait to be told. Make decisions. Make recommendations. Take a stand. Maybe we'll disagree. That's okay. That's what we're here to do. It's business. We're all trying to figure out what's the best thing to do, and we will. But the decisions should start with them, not me. And why isn't that happening, I asked. I don't think people know the opportunity is there. I think they would take it if they saw it, but they weren't taught to think that way. They were taught to be cautious and ask permission, and that is just not what I want from them. You think it's cultural, I said. It could be a lot of things, but whatever it is, it's killing me. I've got plenty to do without making their decisions, too. I nodded sympathetically. I'm sure you do. He went on, it's like the old adage, don't bring a problem, bring a solution. Well, bringing me a decision I have to make is bringing me a problem to solve. It's giving me work, and you shouldn't be giving me work. I made air quotes and said, your boss is your biggest customer. I have been saying that for years. And if you're my biggest customer, then it's one big hairy faux pas for me to give work to you. He said, I'm a little impatient sometimes because I know we can go faster, and I'm hoping you can give us a shove in the right direction. I think I can, I said. And then slowly... As an idea formed, I said, you say people can improve their executive thinking with two tools, raise their altitude and own their businesses. I'm thinking those two things interconnect really nicely. If I were thinking at a higher altitude, running my own business would come naturally. And vice versa, if I were running my own business, it would be natural for me to think from a higher altitude. Those two things are like a reinforcing cycle. Great, said Riz. Come teach it to them. That lunch with Riz led to a meaningful day with his 40 leaders. I'm going to share those tools with you in the next part of this episode of The Look and Sound of Leadership. 
<laughs> that was very meta. I've never done that before. Okay, before I share these tools with you, a quick clarification about Riz's idea of running your own business. He wants people to take initiative, right? He wants people to make decisions. He wants people to move forward and then inform him. I want to just say not every senior leader runs their group that way. Personally, I think it's a healthy and powerful way to lead, but it is not right for every group and every situation. That said, I would like to give you a challenge. I would like to challenge you to ask yourself this question. If I made 10% more decisions on my own than I currently do, what would they be? And could I really make them? Ask yourself that question. Push yourself. This is part of executive thinking, which is what the whole episode's about, right? Okay. Now, I'm going to tell you four tools that I took to Riz's team, and I'm telling them to you because I think you could do them with your team. If thinking higher, gaining executive thinking and altitude is a development area for your team, I hope you'll use these activities. I hope you'll carve out an hour somewhere and lead your team through one of them or do all four over the course of a couple months. I hope you hear something here and you think, oh, that'd be good with my team. I could do that with my team. That's what I hope. All right. Before I tell you the tools themselves, I want to put a framework around them. All these exercises are structured to promote conversations. That's their purpose. The design aims specifically at getting people thinking and talking and listening on a topic. When you're going to lead exercises like this, where you're not kind of going for a goal, you're not trying to make a decision, you're trying to get people thinking, your job is to listen for the themes. That's your job. Don't get engaged in any of the kind of conversation. Listen for the themes, recognize them, put a name on them, and then tell people how you would like them to think about these themes. You would say something like, I hear you all talking a lot about conflict, and here's how I'd like you all to think about conflict. And then you get to tell them, you're not trying to solve the problem. This is going to be something you're going to work on, whatever. You have to do a lot of listening first. You're not the expert in the room. You're the guide on the side. Stay out of the way. Let people talk. Okay. The first exercise is from a group called Liberating Structures. They have a website called liberatingstructures.com. Liberating Structures is a free resource, and I want to tell you it has transformed so many group leaders, and it can do that for you. I have mentioned Liberating Structures on two episodes, How to Re-Engage a Team and Leading Offsites. I think every team leader should know liberating structures. I, and I'll just give you a quick story. There's a woman named Wendy. We serve on a nonprofit board together. She had been to retreats that I had led. And of course, when I led my retreats, I used liberating structures. Now, she didn't know what they were, but she knew that what I was doing was different. And she was really interested. She loved them a lot. So when she got the chance to lead a retreat, she asked what it was, and she found their website, and she was like, oh my gosh, they make it so easy. And she talked about a moment early on when she just saw that it was all going to work. And she said from then on, she just enjoyed leading us through the activities, and I want to tell you that we had conversations we had never had before. It was Liberating Structures, liberatingstructures.com. The first exercise that I took to Riz's team 
is called Triz. Now, you can plug in any topic you need. The topic I plugged into Triz was executive presence. Triz happens in three rounds, and here's what you ask people to do in the first round. You ask them, so now we're thinking about executive presence, right? You ask them to imagine the worst possible display of executive presence. And when you ask people to think about the worst thing that we they thought it was going to be idealized, but now they're thinking about it as the worst, it kind of takes them by surprise, and it makes it fun to think about. There's writing about it. There's structured conversations about it. There's a lot of energy and ideas about it. Then you get them into the second round where you ask them to identify on that list of worsts that you just built, what of that do we actually do? Where are we on that list? And inevitably, you are on the list, right? And it becomes kind of fun. The third round asks them to think of an action. One very short range, immediate action that can be taken to minimize the contribution to that list, right? That's TRIZ. We did it with executive presence. The activity gets people thinking. It's not trying to create consensus. It's getting people thinking and talking about a topic. And it did. Okay, second exercise. This is another one that you can do, and I'm going to give you a tool to help you with it. The second exercise... My intention was to add the idea of altitude on top of executive presence, and so I told them the analogy about clicking out. I had a whole series of slides about it. I had a story about it, and I got them thinking at altitude, and then here's what I asked them to do. I asked them to think about something they love to talk about. Their daughter's hockey club or mountain biking, volunteer work, you know, a trip that you're going to take at the holiday, whatever. Find a topic you know really well, And then, in groups of three, each person gets a few minutes to tell the other people about their passion from the highest altitude possible. People who are listening can ask questions, but they can't take the ball. They can't tell their own story. Their job is to listen for altitude. Do they think the other person is talking at an executive level? And if so, why? And if not, why not? Then everybody comes back together, and people talked about altitude, what altitude sounded like to them, and what altitude felt like to them. It was a great conversation. You could do that. We have talked about two of the four exercises. It feels like a really good time for gratitude. I continue to be so grateful for all of you. You all are so engaged. I love getting your emails. I love talking with those of you who reach out to me to explore coaching. I hope you know that one way I express my gratitude is to create free tools for you. They live on the Essential Communications website in the Essential Tools bin. This month, we've created one that supports this episode. It illustrates the idea of clicking out. It illustrates the idea of altitude. You could do the second exercise that I just talked about and use that tool. It's on the Essential Communications website, essentialcom.com. It's a central com with two M's.com. Please help yourself. I am grateful. I am grateful to a listener named Renee from Montreal who reached out and asked if I had a resource for year end performance reviews. And I was like, oh, thanks for reminding me, Renee. There's an episode from 2011 called Performance Reviews. There's some really good tools in it, no matter which side of the table you're on. So the link is in the show notes. There's just something I'm happy to share with you all. And as always, I am grateful. 
In this crowded podcast world, I am so grateful to people who post reviews because you help the next group of people find the podcast, and I cannot thank you enough. This month, thanks to Steffi Jem from Australia and from here in the U.S., Todd Thompson. Todd, thanks for all your engagement over the years. I'm really grateful. Thanks a lot. All right. That's gratitude. I'm going to tell you the third exercise to help people raise their altitude, and it's, again, something you can pull right out of the essential tools bin and do with your team. Here's what we did. In the essential tools bin, there is a PDF called Before Writing Your Presentation. I used this as a tool to help them think about altitude. On this PDF called Before Writing Your Presentation is a list of about 20 questions that I suggest you should be able to answer before you make a presentation. I asked them to look at the list of questions specifically through the lens of altitude. If they wanted to speak at a higher level, could they answer some of those questions, most of those questions? And if they couldn't, how would they ever find the answers? Well, they rated themselves at about 50%. They said they could, without help, right now today, answer about 50%. And they also saw how answering those questions would have raised their altitude. So they really got engaged in the idea of like, yeah, asking for help, finding mentors, getting people who will answer their questions for them. It was great to help them think at a higher altitude. That was tool three. Tool four, sorting and labeling. I taught them sorting and labeling. That took not even 10 minutes. And then I asked them to go back into their triads, the same people, and talk about that same passion, but this time put sorting and labeling on top of it and see would it push their altitude even higher. And they found that, oh, yes, it did. Because that's what sorting and labeling does. It gets you thinking and sounding like an executive. Everybody loves it. If you don't know the sorting and labeling tool, please find the episode. Or if you want to learn more, Dave Stahobiak and I had a great conversation on coaching for leaders about how to make sense to others. The link is in the show notes. Or listen to my episode with Chad McAllister on the Everyday Innovator, where we really took apart sorting and labeling and really dive deep on it. Sorting and labeling is the fastest way to engage your executive thinking. Use it. It's great. I really hope that you want to break this code. I hope you want to learn this thing that I am calling executive thinking. You could look in the podcast library. You could sort under executive presence or leadership or perception how you're perceived. Five episodes that you might listen to are Becoming Expert, Branding Yourself, The Executive Executive, Executive Presence, Three Pillars, and Sounding Executive. Those all sound great, don't they? The links to that and to all the resources that I have mentioned, they're all in the show notes, including liberating structures. Please help yourself. That's why I'm here. Okay, that's it for me. Until next time, I'm Tom Henschel. Thanks so much for listening.